0: Just a heads up, our show today has a little tiny bit of explicit language in it. It's the S word. And I don't mean socialism. Bernie Sanders has been in the political game long enough to know that if you're calling yourself a socialist in this country, you're going to have some explaining to do. So earlier this week, the presidential candidate tried to do just that. Explain himself.
1: So little background for everyone.
0: Jordan Weissman covers economics and policy for us at Slate.
1: Bernie Sanders. He's a democratic socialist. He calls himself a democratic socialist. Everyone knows that. He's not not a democrat. He's not a socialist. He's a democratic socialist.
2: Thank you all very much for being here.
0: Bernie's speech was supposed to be a kind of socialism 101.
2: Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, and I quote, call it democracy or call it democratic socialism. But there must be a better distribution of wealth within this country for all of God's children." End quote.
0: What stood out to me watching it was that he kept coming back to what socialism means to me.
1: To me, right? It was very personal. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, like, here's what I mean My by socialism. democratic socialism.
1: Yeah.
2: Economic rights are human rights. And that is what I mean by democratic socialism.
1: It was billed as a speech that was going to define this phrase. Like, again, he was going to take a second cut at it. But it was actually, it was a little bit broader.
0: Technically, this speech had a name. How democratic socialism is the only way to defeat oligarchy and authoritarianism. Kind of a mouthful, actually.
1: So he talked about this moment we face, the rise of the rich and the rise of the authoritarians, right? And he says, we faced this before, right? We faced it before. We faced it in the 30s. And FDR showed up and he fought back and won.
2: That not only did FDR's agenda improve the lives of millions of Americans, but the New Deal was enormously popular politically and helped defeat far-right extremism.
1: He talks a lot about FDR and then he kind of sells himself as the man who's going to fulfill the job that FDR left undone.
0: But can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. Would FDR call himself a socialist?
1: No. (laughs) And and this is where it gets tricky, right? Bernie now wants to talk about democratic socialism as the continuation of FDR's legacy. And it, it kind of is weird rhetorically and it he's sort of latched on to this this identity as a socialist, even as he is sort of just, he's a New Deal liberal in the end. He has these kind of twin identities. He's trying to mesh them together, and it doesn't totally fit.
0: The language here matters, because going into 2020, a lot of the Democratic candidates are talking about ideas very much inspired by Bernie Sanders. Medicare for all, a higher minimum wage, free college— In the past, ideas like this have been called radical. But maybe they aren't.
1: You know, maybe, you know, maybe this is the idea that like American socialism is just going to mean something different. You know, enough young people who don't remember the Soviet Union won't be turned off about it and it'll work out great. And Bernie Sanders will be remembered as the philosopher politician who started it all. Maybe it'll work out that way. Or in the end, maybe he just leaves everything really confused.
0: Today on the show, who's actually a socialist now? and why that matters. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us.
1: And this is real heady stuff. This is like, let's light one up and, <laughs> and look, at the, look at the Escher drawing and, and talk about socialism. Um.
0: This episode is brought to you by Discover. So democratic socialism, I feel like it's become this watchword where I see it. I think of AOC. She looks cute. She speaks truth to power. I think of Bernie. Bernie's also quite ornery. I like ornery. You know, I like it. I like that brand.
1: Socialism is just being ornery.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know if everyone who's being branded as democratic socialist actually agrees on what they're talking about here.
1: Well, AOC is an interesting case because she actually was a member of Democratic Socialists for America. I think it's like 60,000 members. And as I like to say, every one of them has a Twitter account. So they have outsized influence on political, uh, on the discourse. And, you know, they have a pretty clear sense of what socialism is and what democratic socialism is and what I was kind of talking about before, this idea of, yeah, we're not just going to create a bigger welfare state, but we're actually going to break the power of private capital and we're going to you know, create a, a society where businesses is effectively owned by the government and the people and the workers. Um, and that's that really is the vision. Um, and like I said, there is there was this and I, I do want to recommend it for people who are really deeply interested in this. The editor of Jacobin uh, Baskar Sankara. Um, wrote, this is
0: a quarterly journal that's yeah. become really influential.
1: And he wrote this book called The, the Socialist Manifesto that kind of gives the standard DSA and, you know, his version of what democratic socialism means. And it is it's not what Bernie really describes. It's it's more this more ambitious and utopian vision.
0: But when you say utopian, you're talking about. Getting rid of financial markets,
1: to some extent, yeah, that's one thing. I mean, I hear that last step. (laughs) That's like that's like fine. You are in final socialism. You were like you're kind of taking. (laughs) So it's like if it were a video game, you're taking on the final boss and it actually is the Monopoly Man, and you have to, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that's you have that, to fight him. You have to fight the Monopoly Man to get to the final, in <laughs> the socialist video game.
0: But I hear that as an American, okay? Like I was raised in this country.
1: Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, to some, I mean, right? But that's like so far. It's like that's the final goal, and, and this is where it gets kind of interesting with Bernie. Is like he doesn't talk about that at all. In his speech about the history and definition of democratic socialism, he doesn't actually talk about any real American socialists. And there like there really were. There were guys like Eugene Debs, right, who ran for president as a socialist and tried to build that party. And there were guys like Walter Roy there, the the, the founder of uh, the auto, United Auto Workers, who was also a real socialist.
2: In a free society, labor capital peace is possible only if workers can achieve economic security, and social justice for themselves and their families.
1: Bernie doesn't really talk about any of the touchstones of socialism. He talks about, again, like New Deal liberalism.
0: That means Bernie likes to use the word socialist without actually, in the Jacobin sense, being one. I asked Jordan, is that really such a problem?
1: I used to not think it was such a big deal. And I, I again, I I do think the idea that he wants to take something that's kind of popular, which is like New Deal liberalism, clearly popular, and kind of branded as something that's a little, again, that that's not necessarily popular. Just it seems like weird politics to me. I think using the word socialism was incredibly, um, or accidentally, can I mean like I don't think it was calculated. I'm burned. nothing seems really calculated there, but I think in 2015. 2016 it really helped set him apart and it really spoke to people who wanted to like tear down the system and build something new and were you know angry after the recession and the bank bailouts and wanted to strike back and saw Hillary Clinton as like the the embodiment of a corrupt liberal establishment the fact that he called himself a socialist really captured those people's imaginations and really set him apart right because like, how better to signify that you are something different than you are going to use this completely forbidden word?
0: But now that he's more of a front runner,
1: exactly. It wonders like, okay, well, it gave him a base. Does it give him also a ceiling? It gives him a floor. Does it also does it limit how high he can rise to if he if he insists on kind of clinging to it? And the way I think about Bernie and the, is that he's sort of like a gateway drug to socialism. <laughs> he's like getting people used to the term, and so then maybe they get interested in the real thing.
0: Sanders' speech this week could be useful in one more way. It draws a bright line between him and Elizabeth Warren, one of his closest competitors. Both are focused on expanding the role of government in Americans' lives.
1: One interesting thing is both he and Warren do have this one idea sort of in common um, that really actually does kind of push in that direction of of not just social democracy, but um, socialism Again, it's not all the way there, but it's it's pushing, which is they want to give workers more control over their companies, um, and it's actually similar to the ideas that were floating around in Scandinavia in the '70s that really were considered at the edge, and um, you know things that really were considered like kind of cutting edge, and and actually you know were, were too lefty even for Scandinavia then. This is kind of pushing in that direction, but he doesn't talk about that in his socialism speech. Again, he talks about. FDR and economic rights and Medicare for all, which is in the end not too dissimilar from Elizabeth Warren.
0: Right. Except she's not using the word democratic socialist. She's running away from that and saying she loves markets.
1: Exactly. And the funny thing is, you know, some people talk about Warren and they look at her platform and say it's at least as far to the left as Bernie's, you know, with the co-determination thing with, you know, putting workers on corporate boards and things like that. In the end, they, they've, kind of, they've kind of met in this similar place, which I, I think you can just call social democracy. They've met in this middle ground where it's like, yeah, we want more regulation and a really big, robust welfare state, and we, we want people to have a right to healthcare and a right to an education all through college. No one's actually really talking about getting rid of capitalism.
0: Can we talk more about this book and kind of what yeah. it, when you read it, yeah, what did it teach you about the history of socialism and what it would mean if some of these more socialist ideas perhaps presented themselves in the United States?
1: You know, I think, you know, it's that book is funny because it, it's lesson. it's all about how socialism has just kind of failed repeatedly, like actual socialism. <laughs>
0: it doesn't sound like a great campaign ad.
1: <laughs> no, it's like. And the, the, the whole book is saying, OK, we have this idea. It's called democratic socialism. Um, and here's all the ways that uh, people have tried to fight for it through time and failed over and over again and how it's either kind of sputtered out or gotten crushed by fascism or turned despotic in China or in the Soviet Union, where it wasn't it never really got to be democratic for various historical reasons. It's actually a great actually the best part of the book is if you want a short history of how uh, socialist movements turn autocratic and turn into dictatorships, it's really good on that. It's it's funny that like that's maybe the best part of the book. Um, So it
0: doesn't run away from. Oh, no, it
1: really wrestles with it. Um, And then it talks about how even the social democracies that we know of in Sweden and Europe um, never made that next step. Right. They got they they built the welfare state and they created a really, really strong labor movement. And they just never really managed to get over the hump and finally just slay capitalism for good. And Um, what's
0: interesting is that the author of this book and you take totally different lessons from that.
1: So, you know, my general take is that, like, I I, I like the idea of social democracy because I like the idea of I like the idea of diversity. Right. I think diverse Institutions are really healthy. I think it's good to have capitalism and a strong, strong companies and strong private enterprise and also a strong government kind of complementing each other and pushing they push back. against each other. Yeah. And it's like if one isn't working so great, you have the other to fall back on. You need that healthy tension.
0: And that's kind of what Europe did where they kept in place yeah. the market driven system, but put in place all of these welfare.
1: Yeah. Programs. What they say is, you know, they they sawed the teeth off capitalism. You know, they made it less they made it less vicious and less less, you know, red and tooth and claw. Um, But then, you know, socialists, they they say, well, it's like they, they look at this history and they say, well, here's what they did wrong. Here's how we can do it right next time. And I look at this history and I say, well, here's how. What it tells you is it's just like history you never cooperates, everything goes wrong eventually. Something goes wrong. Your best laid history makes a mockery of our best, best laid plans. Um, and you know, maybe it's good not to you know bet entirely on the ability of a of one of, of just like the government.
0: The democratic socialists are basically saying if you put what we're doing in a capitalist framework. The rich will always fight back yeah, and they'll find a way to get you.
1: Yeah, that's that's their argument. Right. Um, And that's not the the idea is that if you leave the money men around, if you if you don't if you don't slay the monopoly man at the end of the game. Right. If you, <laughs> you know, at the, if you don't, then you can have a sequel. Yeah. If you, exa- if you don't beat that level, or yeah, if you don't, if you don't get rid of him, you could have. A, you're, he's going to strike back. The empire is going to strike back. And like, what does that look like? Well, it looks like the seventies and eighties, were and and nineties, really, where you have, you know. That you have the rise of conservative economics and you have Reaganism and nowadays you have the Koch brothers funding a million different things to try and pare back advocating for lower taxes and lower regulations. So I don't think that's crazy. I think the answer to that is, well, you know, politics, right? You you try and elect people like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren to fight back who want social democracy.
0: Social democracy is what you get when you expand the welfare state but keep the capitalism. It's what FDR did. One of the biggest applause lines in this speech wasn't actually anything Bernie said remember, I mean, we've said it, but he was quoting FDR. Yeah.
2: And Roosevelt concluded, and I quote, "Never before, in all our history, have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me." And I welcome their hatred.
1: Yeah, it was a great line when FDR said it.
0: (laughs) I wonder if we accept this comparison, that Bernie Sanders and FDR are trying to do the same thing. What does what happened back in the 30s tell us about what Bernie and maybe Elizabeth Warren want to do now?
1: So that's that's a really... Interesting question, because obviously FDR had a, I mean, not just a crisis of American capitalism, but there was, I mean, a global geopolitical crisis happening um, that he took advantage to kind of rewrite the rules of American capitalism and rewrite the rules of American government, right? Like he is the, the, you know, the old, you know, the Rahm Emanuel saying, never waste a crisis. Like, FDR is that he's the man who did not waste a crisis. He
0: maxed the crisis out. Yeah,
1: exactly. He used he 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 took full advantage uh, of this situation he was he was presented with. Um, You know, right now we are not in the same kind of crisis. We're in a different kind of crisis. Yeah, right. We're in this moment where and Bernie talks about this. uh, We have kind of we have growing this growing authoritarian movement around the world. You know, it's in the US, you have Trumpism. In Europe, you have these far-right nationalist parties. And you have the rise of Russia. And in the US, this authoritarian movement is fueled by money from hedge funders, right? <laughs> like the Mercers, people like that. Um, so you have these these linked economic and and political crises. At the same time, the economy's it's pretty good, right? Things are we are not in a depression by any means. We're 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 actually We're finally almost done digging ourselves out of the the aftermath of the Great Recession. Um, So Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are not walking into the same. They're not walking into the Great Depression. They're not walking into the same moment where it's like we're going to tear it up and start all over again. Or they
0: don't uh, have that mandate.
1: Well, I mean, who knows what the election could bring them? So, you know, it, it. is just a, it is a there are historical echoes right and that is kind of what Bernie talks about is like FDR faced fascism a, and a malfunctioning economy and I'm gonna do the same thing but but it's only an echo hmm. right it's not it is not actually a, it's not a, it's not a repeat it's not the same thing
0: it sounds like what you're saying is like the lines were much clearer back then
1: I think it just shit was worse <laughs> yeah. You're to like 20 30 percent unemployment like Bernie wants to create Universal, you know, wants to create single payer at a moment when the US has a healthcare system as, as you know, uh, of, it's 13%. It's a Rube of, Goldberg machine, it's but it's a, a healthcare system. It is that Rube Goldberg machine is 13% of our economy. You know, um, it's easier to tear everything up and start again when there's less to tear up. Mm. Um, you know, it's not like FDR wasn't fighting entrenched interests of. Uh, you know, capital and big business, and a isolationist movement that didn't really want to go to war with Germany. Uh, he had he had really, I mean, he had powerful foes that he was taking on. But there are more institutions, and there are more. There, there's just more to deal with now, right? <laughs> like we have,
0: and it was hard for FDR to get it done.
1: Yeah, it was. And I mean, he had. I mean, he had massive majorities. Is it wrong to take inspiration from FDR? Absolutely not. As like a, as a lodestar. It's inspiring in some ways, but then there's also the matter of being able to deliver on the expectations. Even if uh, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren can't actually deliver on everything they promise, they could at least turn the ship around.
0: Jordan Weisman, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, tolerating the, the dorm room chat.
0: Jordan Weissman writes about economics and policy here at Slate. All right. That's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. If you're hanging out with your friends this weekend and they've got a phone on them, just grab their phone. Recommend the show. We're right there on that podcast app. You can also leave us a rating, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you're thinking. All right. Talk to you on Monday.